Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And rescueswimmershop.com, official high quality apparel featuring the silhouette. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. 15 years ago, photographer and Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 526, Chris Razor, created an iconic photograph. This photograph depicted the silhouette of a helicopter rescue swimmer reaching down for an outstretched hand in need against the American flag backdrop. The image went viral and became a symbol worldwide for the rescue community and the people they help. Its wild popularity inspired Chris to launch RescueSwimmerShop.com, a web store offering official high-quality apparel featuring his evocative image, The Silhouette. T-shirts, hats, patches, and stickers featuring The Silhouette are available at RescueSwimmerShop.com, including the flagship design, So Others May Live. Follow Chris and his story on Instagram with the handle at Rescue Swimmer Shop. And if you are a rescue swimmer, support rescue swimmers, or just tell people you are one at the bar, this gear is definitely for you. When you get to the website, rescueswimmershop.com, enter the promo code, all lowercase, one word, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E, for 10% off your order. On November 11th in the United States, we celebrate Veterans Day. Veterans Day is a day that we pay tribute to all American veterans. It's a day to give thanks for those who served their country honorably during wartime and peacetime. On this special episode of The Real Rescue, I'd like to give thanks to a friend of mine who is no longer with us. He had an incredible career and some incredible rescues, some that I get to share with you here today along with a couple guests who get to share their side of the story for United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 649, Mr. Dustin Bernatovich. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Dustin Bernatovich, also known as Bernie, graduated swimmer school in September 2005 as rescue swimmer number 649. He did tours in Miami, Florida, New Orleans, Louisiana, and Atlantic City, New Jersey, 
When he got out of the Coast Guard, he came to work with me at Priority One Air Rescue. That's the first time I had a chance to meet him. The dude was a beast. We would get in the pool together and he would literally leave a wake behind him. It was awesome to watch. We had a couple cases together which were pretty fun. Most of them routine. One of them I remember specifically was with Labo. Labo was our paramedic. Bernie was the rescue swimmer and I was the hoist operator. I lowered Bernie down to the deck, then Labo and all the gear. They worked on the patient for at least 30 minutes while we were doing circles in the air. It was not the outcome that we had hoped for. But that day, I saw Bernie do his job, and he did it well. Outside all the medevac calls, the hoist training, all the flying that we did, the guy was always working out. He was always on a bike, or running, or swimming to train for his next triathlon. He did all sorts of little triathlons here and there. But the biggest ones to note, he completed four full distance Ironmans and was training for his fifth. That's 140.6 miles, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a 26.2 marathon after all that. And one in particular day, he came to me and said, hey, you want to go for a run? I said, yeah, I'll go for a run. Next thing I know, him and I are running down the Seawall Boulevard in Galveston, Texas. I was trying to catch my breath with every step, and he's having a full-on conversation with me. I think we were running about a six-minute mile, which is pretty quick for those that don't run. And for those that do run, yeah, I was sucking wind. It was a great time, and Bernie was an amazing guy to work with. When he left Priority One Air Rescue, he went to League City Police Department, where he made his way through the ranks and into SWAT team. Every time I would go see Bernie, he would tell me stories about what was going on with the police department and different cases that he was running. Him and I would always have a good laugh together. Especially when he got talking about running down the bad guys and tackling them because he was faster than they were. It was hilarious. So on this Veterans Day, as we remember Bernie, we get to hear from two people who knew him most. His dad, Michael Bernatovich, and his best friend, his bride that never was, Miss Donna Adams. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce the father of the man of Dustin Bernatovich, Mr. Michael Bernatovich. Mr. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and joining me to give a little background about Dustin and, you know, like maybe some of the stories that, you know, only you guys know. And, and then, uh, you know, we're going to recap that amazing case that he had out of Florida um, coming out of Miami, and and you were a little bit part of this because, from what I understand, you were actually sitting in the airport getting ready to go see him, and it was like, uh, sir, your son's not going to pick you up at the airport. So, I mean, I'm pretty excited to hear about this. Okay. So, for everyone out there, if you don't mind, a little bit who you are, and then give us a little rundown about Dustin as he was a kid and kind of bring us right into how and why he joined the Coast Guard to be a swimmer. (laughs) I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot. But you know what? As best as we can. Summarize. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of the memories are more current than going back to his childhood. But uh, um, in just thinking back, um, you know, there was nothing about his, his growing up as a kid there would be any indication of what he ended up doing regarding rescue swimmer, coast guard, uh, police. Um, he was always involved in sports. Um, he was a big kid. So, you know, um, it was more football wrestling as opposed to anything else. And, uh, um, you know, his parents, we did whatever we can to support him and his son, Mike, you know, his brother, yep. Mike, um, through, through getting up, um, uh, and then through school, you know, he was more of a pass fail kind of kid as opposed to someone who wants to be a, an A student, because, uh-huh. uh, uh, he liked to do, he enjoyed, uh, life, um, uh, as he was getting, getting older. So school was not a priority, but it was important. Um, so, you know, he um, he grew up in Nanticoke, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, all his life. Uh, nice. Um, and 
went to uh, Greater Nanticoke area, graduated. Um, and uh, because of his talent um, in football, he ended up uh, moving on and playing Division Three football with Wilkes University, which was um, w within our, near our town. Oh, nice. Uh, and what, uh, for four years. What position did he play? He was defensive lineman. Of course uh, he was. He was about the size of a yeah. defensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, in fact, um, uh, in, in one second, I could actually um, show you. Uh, there's a picture um, right in the room here. Uh, I can give you show you a picture of what he looked like when he was in that uh, uh, with Wilkes. And uh, again, because he was more of a pass-fail kid, you know, his uh, he was and he was into criminal justice. In fact, at that point, that was his curriculum uh, when he was at Wilkes. Um, but near the end of his, um, I think after his uh, fourth year playing uh, football at Wilkes, um, we never had one discussion uh, about his interest in joining the Coast Guard. There was, so, you know, there was probably, as I recall, um, a time when he said, hey, um, I joined the Coast Guard <laughs> and you got to take me down to Harrisburg. And we were a little shell-shocked, um, to be honest, because we thought he would end up graduating from Wilkes and moving into some career that would be in the criminal justice system. And here is the Coast Guard, like, yeah, wow. But you, you know, know, I could see him doing that too. Like, hey, by the way, uh, I just joined the Coast Guard. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that was the first time that we had, he was, he left home. Uh, we had to drop him off um, at the recruiting station and off he went. Um, so that was a, that was, uh, hard for, uh, uh, for his mom and I, you know, first time away. So, but he's in the Coast Guard. Um, so, uh, so, you know, he did well there, you know, he went through whatever you have to do to, um, um, uh, to do that. And, uh, he, um, he liked, he was, he would go out on a boat for like months, um, and do drug raids, you know, and catch bad people, you know. And uh, nice. um, I, I know at one point, um, I forget what country he ended up going to, but um, um, I'm a big coffee fanatic. So he brought me back coffee from wherever land he was at. And yes. um, so, you know, we, we stayed in touch. And uh, uh as he was doing his stint in the Coast Guard, um, he was in um, Elizabeth City, I believe. Yes, um, that's where we went to East North Carolina. Yes, sir. Yeah. And um, uh, somehow he got, uh, he was in a position where he was um, in the pool, you know, with his size, he never swam. He, he was not a swimmer ever. He could have fooled me, and I will tell you because it was a wake usually behind him as he's like, like just driving through the pool, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> you know, so um, uh, as 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 I remember how he sh he shared with us, um, uh, the instructor or whoever was running the rescue swimmer school, um, challenged him and said, "You can't do this." And of course, that's all he needed. And he said, uh, yes, I can. And, um, you know, there was no intent or plan. It's just to be a rescue swimmer. And, you know, Dustin was a guy when he was growing up, it was motorcycles, snowboarding, um, was always adventurous in that way. And uh, not your typical uh, kind of activities. Uh, um, and you know, he was not a runner. He was not a swimmer. Uh, uh, and it's, it's really interesting to see how he evolved into kind of the fitness, 
uh, person he was to be able to do Iron Man. And yeah. in fact, um, it was only because of him that I got into cycling. Uh, oh, nice. So, yeah. So I never uh, did that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, um, uh, I, I learned real quick that there was a difference between a road bike and and uh, 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 a bike you take on the road. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I learned real quick. Um, so yeah, so um, uh, so to his credit, uh, he influenced me in, in fitness. Didn't run because I'm a big guy myself, and um, I don't care to run too much. Um, so cycling was was my thing. Um, so that That's was so good. Cool. Uh, did he and, uh, uh, did he always leave you behind when he would like? If you guys ever trained together, we just kind of leave you behind. And no, no, when, actually when. When he would come up to Pennsylvania, um, Pennsylvania uh, isn't flat. So I got to ride when I was doing um, uh, cycling. Um, it was hills and mountains and up and down. Um, so he was not used to that. He liked to yeah. let's go on a straightaway and, you know, go, you know, 25 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so, no, we were we were uh, depending on what terrain we were navigating. Uh, <laughs> nice um, and you know the real nice thing with Dustin he he was like anywhere from well you know uh, Elizabeth City he was in Miami he was in Atlantic City uh, New Orleans um, so be, I uh, the family really got to enjoy the different parts of the country uh, because that's where he was so that's where we would visit um, and uh, to this day, I blame him for introducing me to craft beers. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It, he loves it. And his double IPAs, triple IPAs. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I I think early on, if I tried an IPA, I probably thought the beer was spoiled or something. Something's wrong with it. You know, because Miller Lite, Coors Light, kind of that light water kind of beer. And um, um, yeah, he 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 tied me into craft beers and we really became um uh high-end beer drinkers uh left that light stuff behind yeah yeah uh yeah so i remember some of the hot so we we spent a lot of time we would uh probably one of the, the the favorite things we would do is when he was in atlantic city um um i would go over and um spend time with him so we would cycle from from Atlantic City uh, uh, down to the Cape May Ferry. Oh wow! And and take our bikes uh, over on the ferry, and then it, uh, I think it was at Lose Point or something. I think that's the name of the event, Lose Point. Um, and then we would cycle uh, to Dogfish. Uh, Dogfish was a uh, if you're familiar with craft beers, you should know Dogfish. Okay. Uh, Sixty minute, ninety minute, one twenty, and all the different things. And he ended up. Um, getting to know uh, one of the managers um, of Dogfish. Um, so he would bring beer from uh, Texas uh, over to Dogfish, which is in Maryland, um, that they can't get. And they would take him down into their uh, aging cellars uh, and allow, allow him to pick uh, beers that um, the general public has no access to. What? So he he had those kind of connections that he was able to do, and so uh, through that I got to be part of that, and we had some great, absolutely great times. Oh man, what great! Ah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> good yeah, for you guys. Yeah, they were good. I'll tell you. You know what? You brought up Miami, so let let's get right into that Miami case. Uh, because it's it's an amazing case, and, and I, I'm really looking forward to hearing like your side and your perspective of the whole thing. So it's like I said, this is pretty cool. And uh, as soon as I'm done reading it, we can we can dive right in. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, uh, it it was um, I would visit Dustin often uh, wherever he was stationed throughout his career. Um, so there was one time that. Uh, um, when he was in um, Miami and um, I was flying out of our local airport, which was um, uh, Voca in Wilkes-Barre. 
And uh, I don't know whether I got to the airport a little early um, or the, the flight was being delayed, but it, it again resulted in me sitting at the bar in the airport um, waiting for my flight. So you know, I'm sitting you know, at the bar and as is typical in a bar at an airport, there's, there's many people, you know, the bars are usually full and um, the TVs are playing and I'm of course drinking probably an IPA. <laughs> Thank you, Dustin. <laughs> and the news came on and I'm watching the screen and I realized that there's something going on, um, which is a rescue and Dustin is on national TV <laughs> doing this rescue. Um, and I'm sitting at the bar thinking, he has to pick me up. I'm going to fly out of here and I'm going to be at the airport and he's supposed to pick me up. So there's the people next to me at the bar. I'm saying, you see, you see what's going on on that screen? I said, that's the guy who's supposed to pick me up. That's my son. And he was doing rescue. I think it was a Haitian boat or something. And it so capsized. I, we're going to get into that in one second because I'm about to read the award after I hear this. This is great. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, this is great. Like, you know, it didn't change my plans, but I realized my itinerary might be quite different once I get to Miami because I don't know how involved he's going to be in this. And, you know, a flight from from Pennsylvania to Florida is maybe make two hours or something. And, yeah, pretty quick. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, but I thought that was pretty cool that um, he's on TV doing a rescue uh, <laughs> while I'm sitting at the bar. Um, uh, we're going to uh, planning him, him picking me up. So, yeah. That's hilarious. I'll tell you what, let me, let me read this. And then I'm really curious as to when you get down to Florida and you end up talking to him, like uh, some of the details that might come out of it in, in your conversation. Cause I know as soon as you get there, you'd be like, so what have you been up to, man? <laughs> so let, let me read this and, and we'll, we'll get it right into it. So the award citation to accompany the award of the Coast Guard Achievement Medal to Dustin M. Bernatovich, Aviation Survival Technician, Third Class, United States Coast Guard. Petty Officer Bernatovich is cited for superior performance of duty while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard Rescue Helicopter 6577 on 13 May 2009 during a massive search and rescue operation for 30 people left adrift in the water following a capsize of their migrant vessel 15 nautical miles off the coast of Boynton Beach, Florida. Surveying an already chaotic scene, Pedyasa Bernatovich located a survivor visible in the last stages of her efforts to stay afloat. Alerting the pilots to the woman's situation, Pedyasa Bernatovich immediately prepared for deployment while conning the 6577 to the struggling woman's position. Executing a flawless free fall deployment, he reached the woman just as she succumbed to exhaustion and sank below the surface. Knowing that every second of searching was time critical, Pedyasa Bernatovich pulled his survivor to a nearby small boat, which freed the helicopter to continue to search for other survivors. Minutes later, he took station aboard the Coast Guard cutter Cormordant and began leading triage and recovery of the victim. Discovering one of the survivors required hospital-level medical care. Pedyasa Bernatovich rapidly orchestrated a hoist with the nearby helicopter and directed cutter personnel to clear the deceased victims and rescue gear from the confined bow area. As the cutter's crew tended the hoist basket, he continued assessing victims and discovered another person in critical condition. Realizing the Coast Guard helicopter was now low on fuel, he signaled a rescue sling hoist to expedite his return aboard the helicopter with the survivor. Working to the point of exhaustion, Pedyasa Bernatovich continued providing medical attention to the survivor until they reached the hospital staff. Pedyasa Bernatovich, diligence, perseverance, and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Oh, Mike, this is, this is awesome. 30 people in the water. Like, 
free fall in, saving some lady going underwater. Like I can, I, I can see it. I, ah, that's just incredible. And then, and then he's on board the ship and taking command because, like he, work. Ah, oh, I, I can see it. I can see him do it. Like working with him for so long. I, I got. So you get down to Florida. How does the conversation go? Well, you know, you're always. It's a matter of like, so tell me, like, uh, he wasn't one to want to talk about work outside of work. I've heard so, that many times. So, but because of the situation, I said, oh, my God. I said, like, how, what do you do? Like, And I, I, the one thing that seems to pop in my head is um, there's some in the training that he received. There's, there's a way that you manage between people who might have... Um, died and people who needed to be rescued and how you manage all that. Um, so I do remember him uh, sharing with me that process of, of how they um, are able to um, most effectively manage um, multiple um, um, crises that are happening all around you in the water. So um, yeah, when you read that, um, you really, um, uh, I, you, I don't think uh, you really appreciated what his talent was yeah. um, and what he can do uh, because even um, when we were talking to um, people that he worked with uh, you know like in the police with the, in the uh, SWAT team and the police you really, you really didn't know how he would extend himself to help others. Um, people who um, I think um, worked like in an office setting where the police department was, but wanted to become a police officer, he would take that person under his wings and try to help them um, in whatever way he can. Um, uh, helping helping people to be um, um, Ironman and to do marathons and and half. I mean, you start to learn the legal between there's different there's uh, different kind of uh, triathlons. There's you know full half and all this kind of stuff. But um, even the neighbors around the uh, where he lived, um, he helped one of the uh, his friends who had a um, a young boy. Um, helped him learn how to get engaged in doing triathlons and bought him a triathlon suit. And so, yeah, so yeah, we had good times together, but you never realized um, how like uh, kind and uh, how he would put others ahead of himself in, in helping them do whatever uh, he could to help them reach their goals. Yeah. You know, I even remember, uh, I, I'll go all over the place. I'm doing talking. So that's okay. <laughs> tell me, you can tell me to stop. Um, I remember when he actually went uh, to the police force, he was in training, you know, Dustin um, wore pink. He wore flashy uh, watch bands his shoes were fluorescent and his socks were probably uh, complimentary to fluorescent shoes. And they'd say, look at this guy. Who does he think he is? Because uh, he's bigger than most policemen were and they were going to run around the track. And um, it didn't take long before they realized uh, he can wear whatever he wants. <laughs> uh, uh, it's not indicative. Uh, sometimes when you think of people who are flashy like that, they're really not going to uh, perform um, as Dustin could. Um, so he, in fact, um, to this day, uh, all wear pink. And, uh, oh, heck yes. He had... He had lime-colored watches, white watches. Um, uh, he, he had these crazy watch collections. And uh, so we, we do wear I don't have one on now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wear them often. 
I love it. So I'm not sure where how it got to that point, but I'll <laughs> let you kind of. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's bring it back to the case just a little bit, and, and then I'll I'll tell you another side story about that. The pink, the pink guy that he used oh. to wear that I I loved to be around with too, and and uh, but that case in particular, you know, that that whole crew and everybody did an amazing job. We had you know 30 people that are on a capsized boat in the water, and him, you know, going over to to pull somebody out from underwater and saving her life you know is is incredible um you know and then the triage that you talk about this is something that we do train on all the time you know and it's not just a, a train on it once and you're done you repeatedly train on you know big casualties big accidents and triage and you know for him to assess uh you know all the patients and then say okay this person's got to get hoisted out this person's got to get hoisted out by the way, we're running low on fuel and time. So I'm going to make a double up extraction, you know, with a quick drop to get into the aircraft and then triage and continue to care for the patients all the way back to land in the, uh, in the hospital is just goes to show how selfless he is. And the, just a job, he got called to do a job and he did an amazing job at it. So, you know, hats off to him for that. So, and the whole crew. But I, I yeah. definitely appreciate your side of the story. I, I, I think I love the fact that you're sitting there drinking an IPA, watching him on TV. You're like, that's my ride. He's going to be late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's a but, true story. Yeah. I like it. And, and I will tell you, like, the first time I had gone just working out with him, you know, he, he comes down, he's got his big high speed road bike triathlete road bike and he comes in with this bright pink helmet and as a swimmer what do i do i pick on him and i make fun of him now i will say dustin could probably break me in half and uh i'm a little taller but he's a lot wider <laughs> and uh he said you know man the only reason i wear this is because you notice it so now when i'm on the road everybody that's riding driving by me they're like hey look at the guy in the pink hat now they see me or the pink helmet i was like oh that's pretty good yeah yeah so well mr mike i i don't want to take too much more of your time i can't thank you enough for coming on and just sharing this case and the stories of dustin you know he he definitely lives in all of our hearts and memories as well and he'll be remembered in the brotherhood forever i promise you that so great thank you you're welcome and until next time i'll uh, i'll give you a call a little later okay all righty. Cool. Thank you. All right. Take care. See you later. So next, I'd like to bring on a, a friend, a best friend, a girlfriend, a better half, a wife <laughs> that never was, Miss Donna <laughs> Adams. How are you, Miss Donna? I'm good. How are you doing today? I am awesome. Hey, listen, thank you so much for coming on and, and Kind of giving us a little perspective of Bernie from your world, which is always fun when you have like a somebody that lives with Bernie, because I did <laughs> from time to time, but <laughs> you really did. <laughs> For about almost nine years. <laughs> That's a chunk of time right there. That's awesome. <laughs> well, nice. well, I'll tell you what, if you don't mind, just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and then how you and Bernie met uh, would be a great start for everybody out there. Yeah, so um, my name, I'm Donna Adams, and I was with Dustin from basically almost the time we got together in New Orleans, which he had just transferred in a couple months earlier, and I had started a job down there that July, but we met in September, and uh, I don't know, it was kind of written, it was all done from there. Um, oh, that was, was easy. Kind of, hey, yeah, we're it was here. easy. <laughs> I think it probably helped that we're both two people in a different town and had like not a ton of people around us. So we just kind of gravitated towards each other. And of course it was college football season. So both being from big 10 oh, um, schools, we yeah. had, we had our yearly our annual day of hate. And <laughs> it was great for me. It was never great for him. Maybe like once or twice. You know, him being a diehard Penn Stater. And then here's me, your Ohio State Buckeye. It's the you know, Ohio State. 
the Ohio State University. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, it, it, I think it lost its luster after like the first three losses in a row. Oh, but I still had fun talking shit for like a week. <laughs> and anything that was said, we wouldn't hold it against each other. But oh, that's yeah. I'm like, you guys are going to lose. <laughs> this isn't fun anymore. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, all right, so, so where did you meet Bernie? So, uh, so we... Yeah, Bernie. Let's yeah. go with Bernie. Because everybody knows him as Bernie, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we met... We had our first date at a bar, balcony bar, actually. Um, and, you know, it, it just... It was smooth. It was easy. Like, we were best friends almost from the get-go. And then out of nowhere he's I said oh I know you you do like what they did on the movie the guardian right he was like yeah I did actually let me pull up let me show you but I helped train them for that movie and I was like okay so your parents they live up in Pennsylvania how is that for you like totally flipped the script on him I never saw the picture until way 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 later and I know he was there going, who is this person? Like, <laughs> she is not buying my usual sales pitch here. <laughs> I want to show you that I know famous people. Like, I was part of the movie. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> You're exactly cool. like the girl in the movie. Like, yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how, mu- yeah. how much do you get? How much you got on this bet right now? Because uh, I'm about to take right? 50%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like oh whatever but you know we hit it off and then Saturday he actually left town to go to the Penn State football game which they lost to Iowa that weekend yes I remember all of this (laughs) (laughs) they had two losses that year and he was at both games so it was his fault oh I'm sorry that's what I told him you know I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny yeah, yeah. So, and then uh, he went to Ohio State that year too, and they definitely lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, so, that's funny. yeah. yeah nine years you were together for nine years. Holy smoke! Yeah, it's a it's a good excuse me a good chunk of time. Um, yeah, it is. It so was. in that nine years, here's what's something kind of cool, and this is one of the reasons that uh, I've asked you to join us, uh, you know, here. And that is that Dustin actually had a pretty big case out of New Orleans and got a pretty decent award for it, which I'm going to read here in a second. Um, but we get to hear your perspective of it. The person that's at home, you know, the wives, the girlfriends, the, the pets, whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> you get this glimpse of what we're about to do, not really knowing what's going to happen. And then you get the aftermath. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to read the award and then, I want your perspective as far as how it went through for you. Is that cool? That's cool. Yeah. All right. So here you go. So Dustin Bernard Turbage, he uh, he earned this award for an incredible case down there. Most people know it as the Deepwater Horizon. Citation to accompany the award of the Meritorious Service Medal to Dustin M. Bernatovich, Aviation Survival Technician, Third Class, United States Coast Guard. Petty Officer Bernatovich is cited for meritorious service in the performance of duty on the evening of 20 April 2010 while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard Rescue Helicopter 6576, 110 miles southeast of New Orleans, Louisiana. Following a failure of the Deepwater Horizon Mobile Offshore Drilling Unit's drilling system 5,000 feet below the surface, the rush of oil and flammable gas surfaced and ignited the platform, ultimately crippling the structure, killing 11 and forcing workers on board to abandon the oil rig. Rescue helicopter launched from Air Station New Orleans minutes after notification. Arriving on scene, the Coast Guard rescue crew immediately began searching for survivors, just hundreds of feet from the towering 600-foot flames erupting from the oil rig. Disregarding the dangers of follow-on explosions along with the flaming oil, gas, 
In intense heat during the search, the Coast Guard rescue crew determined that 115 survivors had been recovered on an offshore supply vessel, Damon B. Bankston, all of which required triage to determine the next level of medical care. Pedestrian Bernatovich was hoisted onto the vessel, braving the intense heat and burning oil and debris washing over the deck from the burning oil rig and determined which of those 115 people required medical evacuation. Teaming with another rescue swimmer and expertly applying his life-saving skills, Petty Officer Bernatovich identified and prepared for hoisting two of the most critically injured survivors who suffered from severe second and third degree burns and compound fractures. The triage provided by Petty Officer Bernatovich was essential in determining the critically and next level of medical care to ensure the survival of all those rescued. Petty Officer Bernatovich's dedication and devotion to duty are most heartily commending in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Holy cow. Donna, so there's there's a lot of stuff. I mean, they made a movie about this. Everybody yeah. knows the story of the Deepwater Horizon, and Bernie yeah. was one of the first guys on scene. Yeah, yeah. He was on standby that night. So define that. What? Stand- Standby is uh, actually. Let me define that because I know what it is too. <laughs> yeah, you're the pro. <laughs> I'm the pro. Dog got it. So standby is, and New Orleans had this. Uh, Labo talks about it quite a bit. Is you would have one guy as the ready swimmer, and then one guy as the backup swimmer who was usually at home, but he had a, a cell phone, a beeper, uh, some way to, for somebody to get in touch with him. And then, and it, all that was required is if the phone rings, answer it, and you're going in. Cause you know, the guy that's on duty is going to be flying. So him being at home, yeah, and you had to be you. within, yep. and you had to be within a certain radius. Too. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be flying up to Boston. No. <laughs> All right. So he's got the secondary he's, he's on standby mm-hmm. and this call comes in the first helicopter is launching immediately. Where are you guys? Well, he was actually on his, they kept him late that night and he was on his way back. I had made dinner, which was unusual in itself too, because he was Aww. the cook. I was not. <laughs> and so I was, he called and said he was on his way home and I go, okay. I said, well, I'm just going to go ahead and get your food in the microwave. So it's ready when you get home. Cause it was, I know it was after, I don't know. It was later. And, uh, we, he hung up and said, I'll be there in a few minutes. Then he calls back and he says, oil rig explosion, got to go by. And it was just that quick. And I was like, be sick. Like, I don't even think he heard me. Um, Holy he hung up cow. So fast. Yeah. And so did it register like, to you when he said oil rig explosion? Like, did clearly, clearly not because um, I slept pretty good that night. I was like, like he got back there and then he said that he was going to be going out. And I said, okay, um, I'll just stay here with your dogs then for the night. No big deal. I checked my phone at 2 a.m. or around 2 a.m. Didn't hear anything from him. No text, no anything. And I was like, uh, he still must be out. Must not have bagged out yet. And then um, I woke up whenever he came through the door the next morning. It must have been like 5, 530 in the morning. He came home maybe it was a little bit later but the news I had the tv on all night and I was sleeping on the couch and uh I started seeing things pop up about the explosion and I was like hmm. oh this was kind of oh and it still wasn't registering with me that it was like what it was oh god <laughs> And he came in and he fell asleep pretty quick. And he said it was, there was a lot. And then he said he brought a couple guys back with him that had been injured um, and got them the help, you know, got them to where they needed to go. And so I, I went to work like normal people do and he was still sleeping and I get a call saying, will you bring me over a couple of Red Bulls? And I was like, I, I guess, I mean, I have to run out for a couple errands for work anyways. I guess I can do that. And uh, the funny part about it was the, 
he had a gas station not that far from his house. Like he could have easily gone to get his own Red Bulls that morning. <laughs> Easily, that like, lazy pile of dusted. I know. <laughs> Leave it on the couch as soon as he gets home. Oh gosh. She just saved a bunch of like people he, on the oil rig. Yeah, not like he was working hard the night before or anything. Gosh. So, <laughs> so I'm I pull in, text him to say I'm out side he comes out to get his red bulls and he goes thanks and then we started talking about it a little bit and he was telling me about how some of the chemicals out there was destroyed his equipment like he was going to have to have all new equipment because it just literally was eating through his equipment um and then he was telling me about you know what it looked like and everything and i was like this was kind of a big deal huh and he was like Tana. Girl, I freaking love you. <laughs> yes. What part of oil rig explosion didn't you understand? And I go, evidently, like all of it. And he was like, oh. like you could just see, like he that was like the first time where he was just like, what in the heck have I gotten myself into? <laughs> so, anyways. I was like, huh. I said, well, do you want somebody home worried about you the whole time while you're out doing your job? And he was like, no. He goes, you didn't worry about me at all last night? And I went, no, I didn't. I said, I woke up at two, checked my phone and hadn't heard anything. But I mean, well, I fell back asleep right away because I figured you were good. I said, but you got to understand. I said, I trust in your training and that you're going to do what you have to do to get home safe. I said, I cannot be up all night worrying about you out doing your job because there would be no sleep. Then. And I'm not all about that life. I like sleep. I still like sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, I mean, you know, it was one of those things. And then the press started right after that, like that day he was on the news i think it was that day or it was the day after and we were supposed to go to houston that weekend because his brother was having a surgery so we were driving over from new orleans to houston that weekend and uh there was still a chance that he was going to have to get pulled in to a new station here in houston to do a broadcast wow. um, for it and he hated it he hated like that's the one thing about dustin that even though he tried to pull out that one card on our first date, he was actually a very humble person. And like, you would never know he did half the stuff that he did in his Agreed. career. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know about Deepwater Horizon until him and I had been working together for quite a while. So that yeah, was, it was yeah. like, uh, I was like, you were on that? What? So. Yeah. No. Yeah. He just, it was something that, he, I think he kind of viewed it as his job and yeah. he, he literally led by that motto. So others may live because that was a conversation that we would have all the time, you know, about if something happened, not all the time, like maybe once a year, we'd hit that topic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's a very real, that's a re very real conversation for anybody who, is a partner or girlfriend or whatever with somebody who does emergency response on any level. Yeah. Um, Cause you just don't know, or in the military for that matter, you just yeah. don't know what's going to happen. So out of curiosity, as he's telling you a little bit about the case and kind of what happened, cause I know there's, there's, if he was like me, uh, there's always like follow-up conversations where you're like recapping different events throughout. So you end up having like four or five conversations with whoever you're talking to. And there's a little different piece of information that comes out every time you're like, wait a minute, you didn't say that last time. <laughs> what the, what was some of the things that stand out to you that he had mentioned like during that case? You know, I think one of the big, cause I said to him, I go, well, are you ever going to, to see these people again that you helped <laughs> he goes probably not he goes but we got them the help that they needed and they're good from everything that I've heard they're recovering and you know it was I think that was kind of cool afterwards um 
they did the Guardian of the Heartland in yes. New Orleans. And Which they is were all not, together. Let's actually touch on that real quick because you brought that yeah. up. The Guardian of the Heartland actually was a um it, it's it's an award for the the Heartland area down in Louisiana, Texas, and all that stuff. And their whole crew and everybody that was involved in the Deepwater Horizon earned that recognition and award from the Guardian of the Heartland uh, Award Committee. Amazing it's because of that whole yeah. case. So I know. Yeah. I, yeah. Keep, keep well, going with that. That's awesome. And the cool thing about that event was that they invited people who were actually rescued too. Oh, very cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm awesome. So, you know, I don't think there were a lot of them. Um, I hope I'm telling this right. But... Uh, hey, you know what? Whatever you've got, we'll take it. The rest of everybody out there, <laughs> go do your own research, all right? right. That's what everybody does anyway. Yeah. Uh, Facts so... check. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like that was just, that was a cool evening. Um just because it brought so many people together um and his dad was able to be in town with it and it's the only time i saw him in his dress blues um oh. which he hated how, which he said, hated well how did you like it though that's a bigger question oh what girl doesn't like it yeah come on bro <laughs> what's up <laughs> every girl loves the sharp dress man <laughs> That's not how the lyrics go. That was terrible. But uh, come on, ZZ Top, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's leave it to them to sing. Yeah, <laughs> don't quit your day job. Roger that, Donna. <laughs> oh, my so God. yeah, you know, but that was the other thing about him. Like once he kind of processed it, he didn't talk about stuff much after it happened. So like for him to even open up to me the morning after was kind of a big deal um because that just wasn't him like he compartmentalized a lot i think um and he separated work and life very well actually he helped me in learning how to do that because when we first met i would be like sending emails until midnight and he'd be like this is not gonna work yeah like, you you need boundaries and this and that and that was helpful for me um Cause I still have those boundaries to this nice. day where like I put it when I, if we're not working on something huge, I'm done. You've got me for my eight, nine hours a day and I have to have some sort of balance. So, and I don't keep work email on my phone anymore. I strongly encourage that for anybody. Look at you. All mm-hmm. right. Um, so I, anyways, I can't, I can't say I do that. I, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> That's <to> my <laughs> wife too. Sorry, honey. <laughs> She's like, you're overdoing yourself. Yes, I know. <laughs> See? Yeah, that was kind of the talk I had. And I was like, um, okay. But you know, it's it was good. It was good. But that's also helped me in my career be able to separate work from what happens at home and it makes home more enjoyable let's face it whenever you're not dragging that stuff home yeah. all the time but well the interesting part about again Deepwater horizon is not only was it a huge massive case it was nationally televised it was a it was a big deal um mm-hmm. you you like you said the local news had picked up on it and then it started to go you know across the nation uh, but GQ, yeah. and then we had the GQ yeah. article. GQ magazine comes out and actually mentions Dustin Bertovich, and and I'm gonna bring it up right now because it's freaking hilarious, and I love every bit of it. So for those <laughs> of the like, explain body type because you lived with them, so you could probably explain it better. Explain how, the size of Dustin Bertovich for us. He looks like a, he looked like a big linebacker like he was you know six foot and just he was big and built like you know like people were always shocked that he did triathlons because of how big he was and he I mean he did a few Ironmans and did them well 
Yeah. Um, but people were always like, really with his size? Like, yeah, he's out there doing it. Like he was just stacked. Well, yeah. or as GQ says, yeah. a block of a man. <laughs> Uh, Which I got a lot of good quality material out of that to make fun of him for a long while. Oh my goodness, it's great. Well, the GQ magazine, is, the article is from uh, June 13th, 2010. The, uh, the, the story is called, um, or the title of the article says, Boom, the story of the deep water horizon. And uh, down into the or later into the uh, article, it says, then the second dolphin, talking about the helicopter that came in, so then the second dolphin from Bell Chase arrives with a litter. It's rescue swimmer, a block of a man named Dustin Bernatovich, is lowered down, and he and, Pe- he and Peterson, the other rescue swimmer that was on the other helicopter, wrestled the stretcher with the worst-off trauma patient in the litter. Well done, Dustin. GQ magazine, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and he numbers. he hated because for a long time people were like, "Oh, GQ," and "Oh, you're you're a blockable man," and he would be like, oh. "Like he hated hated <laughs> the he just didn't like attention being drawn to himself." Oh. And he actually shut down like all the social media for a long while after Deepwater Horizon. Oh, wow. There was just, yeah, there was a lot of attention like coming to him. Um, nice. And not necessarily wanted attention. Yeah. yeah um, it's, it's... You know, positives and negatives with having your name thrown out there is people send you sometimes good stuff and sometimes not so good stuff. And so um, he shut it down. It was for a long while. He shut it down. And then whenever he brought it back, he was under an alias. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Cause I was like, yeah. where are you? And he's like, oh yeah, this is my name. And yeah. And but a lot of people didn't realize why he shut it down. Uh, um, cause he had told me, cause I said, why are you getting off Facebook? He was like, oh, well, and he didn't go into specifics with me or anything like that. He told me just enough where I was like, all right, cool. Done. I was over the block of a man. <laughs> right. I think GQ probably put him in a different set of limelight. There. <laughs> Good job, GQ. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, but he shut it down for a good long while um but wow yeah it was crazy that whole time was crazy for him for us just because it seemed like every time we turned around somebody was asking something and you could just tell he was like um it was my job kind of like can we move on yeah right (laughs) and i think that's how a lot of the guys feel you know Um, most most of us for sure yeah 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 um but I also get the other side of things where people want to know more or want to be able to say, Oh, I know that person. Yeah. You know, cause that yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This is what it is. You know, we're out there it to is. do a job. The alarm goes off. Exactly. We're going to respond. So and exactly. he did it. He did a great job. What an amazing case that was. And incredible. So. Well, yeah, sure was. Well, Donna, I'll tell you, I'm going to open it to you. If you got anything else you want to tell us a little bit more about Dustin, you're more than welcome to. So I don't know what you want to know or what he'd want to, or what he would want me to tell. Well, he wouldn't want you to, yeah, he wouldn't want you to tell me anything. He'd be like, yeah, Donna, he's like probably sitting right, like right hovering over you right now. I'd be like, Donna, do not say anything. (laughs) I feel it. I feel it right now. Come on, Dustin. We love you, brother. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'll tell that. you what. We will leave it at that. Uh, Donna, thank you so much for just kind of giving a little perspective from your side, especially about that in particular case, because it is an incredible yeah. case to talk about. You no, know, and, and yeah, he was an incredible guy. So he, so he was, and we certainly miss him. I mean, God, I miss talking to him yes. five, 10 times a day. And yep. just, it's not the same. 
You know, actually, I'll, I'll throw one more thing in, in there for, for everybody out there. So Dustin, something that I loved about Dustin and, and you specifically is because when I, we were working with P1, you know, I would uh, I was coming from California and Dustin yeah. loved his whiskey and, and not I, like I don't want to make that sound bad, but he loved. I'm going to know he likes his good bourbon. Oh, that's true. You're there's right. a, dip, right. there's a right. difference, Quinny. I'm sorry. <laughs> You are correct. And every time I pour a glass of Blanton's, I think of him. I'm just throwing that out. <laughs> Blanton's on the rocks, man. Here's the burning. Uh, all right. But he loved his IPAs, loved them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would, every time I would come from California, I would have to bring a, uh, I'm going to throw this out there, Russian River Brewing. They have a beer called Pliny the Elder. And every time he would go, or we would go to research, he would make it a point to go up there and grab some beer. Well, then he finds out that I'm close to there. He's like, dude, dude, bring me beer, bring me beer. So every time I had, you know, duty or was working down in Galveston, I'd show up with like a six pack or a 12 pack of beer. And half the time I was dropping it off to you. Like, all right, I'll be you. Yeah, that's how we, that's how we first met was in a parking lot. I think like at Randall's or something. (laughs) Here's your beer order. I was like, oh great. Because I think yeah. he was in Louisiana working out of there that time. But oh that's right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 We were, yeah. We were supposed to be on hitch together and then he ended up getting moved over. Ah oh, yeah, moved over, whatever it was. But yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, this isn't unusual. It really wasn't unusual. We had another situation where somebody came um from California, they were bringing bikes back and they brought us, they went in and got the max that they could get us at the Pine of the Outer. I think we had 12 or 18 or maybe 24 that showed up in a cooler. No bottles broken. Transport was perfect. Oh yeah. Like, and I had to drive up into Houston for that. And that should just like solidify my dedication to our IPA habit that we have or had like it was, and we had a huge collection of beers that we have aged over the years um I still have a ton from like Dogfish Head Brewery we have a lot from there just because being stationed in Atlantic City when he was up there about once a month we would go over to that brewery to Dogfish Head Brewery and have a fun day on our beach cruisers and just take the ferry over from Cape May and have a good time i don't know sometimes i wonder how we got home but <laughs> we were talking <laughs> or about how that. we <laughs> or how we rode our bikes back to the ferry um you and two how were I triathletes it was fine yeah see yeah, the whole time that's how i looked at it and i had a basket on the front of my bike so it <laughs> easily transported alcohol <laughs> oh gosh hilarious so i mean we had a good time we were a party (laughs) (laughs) now i i loved hanging out with you guys it was a blast for me so like all the stories and all the stuff that we did it was it was so much fun so always a good time always well donna thank thank you so much for having me oh absolutely i i can't thank you enough for just giving a little little glimpse of life with dustin and and going over this case with us uh this is an incredible case for him and you know my sympathy my i'm sorry for your loss and he's missed by all of us i promise oh i know he's missed by everyone yeah if you knew him if you yeah. knew who he was truly knew who he was you absolutely there's not a day that goes by that you don't miss him true statement mm-hmm. awesome so well thanks donna and i will thank uh, you i will be in touch with you i will keep in touch with you and I look forward to our next conversation. All right. Okay. Cool. Thanks, girl. I'll see you later. As we close out this episode, again, I want to say thank you to all the veterans out there. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you do. To Mike and Donna, a special thank you to you guys for coming on and sharing the stories of Bernie. I am humbled and honored to have you on as guests. It is an absolute pleasure to listen to these stories. To my friend, Dustin Bernatovich, you are missed, you are loved, and you will always be remembered in our brotherhood. Thank you for your service. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are 
out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that star alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>